If you're a child of God, you ought to be blessed. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and then I'm going to scoot over to Revelations 4, verse 11. I'm going to continue in our series on the main thing. And I want to talk to you today about praise, praise, the language of faith. Praise, the language of faith. Matthew 6, we've read this for, this is the 10th week, we've opened up with this verse. But this is a key verse. If we will seek the Lord, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus is giving us the priority of our life here. By the way, how many of you know that I have four dogs? I have four dogs now. I'm afraid to go anywhere near any dogs that don't have a home because I have become a dog lover so bad. Kathy brought me home a T-shirt last week, and on the front was emblazoned the inscription, Dog Father. (laughs) You get it? backwards, Godfather, Dogfather. I wear it proudly. It's true. All right, Matthew 6, 33. Jesus said, but seek first, 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 the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, those things being food, water, shelter, clothing, will be added to you Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow if you're a seeker of God. If you're a seeker of God, if you're not a seeker of God, worry. But if you're not, or if you are a seeker of God, don't worry. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. If you're a seeker of God, he's going to take care of your needs. Now, Revelations chapter 4, verse 11. I'm reading this out of the Living Bible, but you can get pretty close along with me. You created, this is John by revelation saying, you created everything. He's talking to God. You created everything and it is for your pleasure. Watch this, everybody. Everything God created is for his pleasure. It is for your pleasure that everything you created exists and was created in the first place. So can you say with me, God created me for his pleasure. The hedonist says, I've been created to experience my own pleasure, but the child of God with wisdom says, I was created to bring him pleasure. And when you realize that, it changes your life. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that praise is the language of faith, and we thank you, Lord, that we never, ever, ever seek you in vain. Bless us with your word today in Jesus' name. Now, can you breathe a prayer, saints, and just say, Lord, I receive with meekness the engrafted word which can save my soul. Amen and amen. God bless you. And you can be seated. And what I mean by that is the word saves your mind. It'll save you from going nuts. Now, in the last nine weeks, we've been talking about keeping the main thing the main thing. You ought to know that little phrase with me by now, so let's say it together. Ready? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, if you want a philosophy for life, there you have it. You don't have to go back to any of the great philosophers to find something profound. Here it is. The main thing is to keep 
the main thing, and there is a main thing, your main thing. That is, the main thing in life, once you're a child of God, once you have been saved by Jesus, washed in the blood, the main thing, the main thing, the main challenge, the main focus, is to keep Him, who is the main thing, the main thing in our life. And if we can do that, the wheel remains balanced. You know, so much of life, folks, is just keeping everything balanced. And the reason most people are not happy is because they're all out of balance. Happiness and peace and joy come with balance. And the reason a lot of believers are walking around looking like deer staring at headlights is because their lives aren't balanced. They've been saved. They got fire insurance. They're going to heaven. But they're not keeping the main thing the main thing. That means when you get up in the morning, you seek God. Jesus said, here's the main thing. Seek first. That's the main thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness or His way of living or the way He taught you to live. And all these things, everything else comes into balance. According to Jesus, the main thing for every believer is to put Him and the way He taught us to live first. First, not leftovers, not second, not third, not when we can get around to it, not just on Sundays. Like somebody said, we come to church and we sing Onward Christian Soldier and then Monday we go AWOL. <laughs> Jesus said you got to keep the main thing the main thing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You've got to keep the main thing every single day. And if we, as believers we move our faith in, over into everyday life, he said, everything else has a way of coming together. Now today I want to talk to you about another aspect of the main thing because I'm going to preach on seeking God until everybody in here is getting up and seeking God. Because, listen, you can't go wrong seeking God. If you seek God, it says He becomes a rewarder to you. He rewards you. So I'm going to talk about another aspect of seeking God today. Another aspect of the main thing, and that being that we were created to bring God pleasure. Think about it. We were created to bring God pleasure, and one of the key ingredients to seeking God and bringing Him pleasure is to worship Him. It's to worship Him. We are all called to be worshipers. Now remember the key promise for this whole series. Without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible. I'm going to move these mics. It's impossible for me to see some of you. All right? Without faith, and I'm going to move this too. It's still impossible. Amen. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God, he who comes to God. How many of you came to God this week? You came to God this week. He who approaches God. He who comes to God. The Bible talks about come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find the grace to help us in the hour of need. I'm so glad I'm having to move these things so that I can see people on the far sides. Now watch this. He said you're to come boldly to God to, to obtain mercy and find the grace to help you in the hour of need. So Paul says, he who comes to God for salvation, 
He who comes to God for provision, for healing, for wisdom, for direction, whatever it is you're coming to God for, he who comes to God must believe two things. You've got to believe that he is. We've got to believe that he is. He is. He is. And not just that he is, but he is the God presented in the Bible. He is my provision. He is my healer. He is my leader. He is my wisdom. He is my life. He is my leader, my guide, my savior, my deliverer. He is my light. He is my knowledge, my understanding. He is my all in all. He is the alpha. He is the omega. We've got to believe that he is. See, a lot of people believe in God, but they don't believe God. They believe that God is there. Oh, yeah, he's there. I believe he's there. Oh, yeah, I believe he's there. Excuse me while I go live like the devil, but I believe that he's there. But no, no, you've got to go beyond believing in God, and you've got to believe God. Believe God. And that's what this series is all about. I not just believe in God, but I believe God. And I believe that God has promised me he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that's the second thing you've got to believe. Not just that he is. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is, he is, he is, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The word diligent means to investigate, to crave, to literally crave God. Paul the Apostle craved Jesus. He said, I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them as trash, rubbish, manure, that I may gain Christ. Anything that was standing in my way between me and him, I got rid of it, and whatever I had to get rid of, it's just garbage to me. That I may gain Christ. You could paraphrase that and say, I crave him. David the psalmist said, my soul thirsts for you. Listen to the language, thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land to see your power and your glory in the sanctuary. There's a craving in my soul, David admitted, and that was Old Testament. He said in another place, my soul longs, longs, longs. Yes, even faints. I want God so bad. I've got such a craving. I'm fainting. It gives me a case of the faints. My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out. For the living God. There there is something that has happened in me, David is saying. I don't know how to explain it. My heart and my flesh are crying out. I've got a thirsting, a hungering. Jesus said, blessed is he who thirsts and hungers for righteousness, craves it, wants it, longs for it, seeks for it, diligently searches it out and investigates it. Because he or or she shall be filled. Say, Pastor, I don't feel that way. I wish I did. I used to. Let me tell you something, folks. I'm going to prophesy a little bit today. There has happened in the church in the West. I don't know about elsewhere, but in the West, 
There has been a falling away from the things of God. There has been a falling away from church. There has been falling away from reading the Bible, from praying, from seeking God. People have gotten offended and left the church, disillusioned and left the church. They have been burned out and left the church. They burned the candle at both ends and burned out and left the church. Now they're out there like dry bones in a field. And I'm going to tell you what God is about to do. There's about to be a rattling, a shaking, a drawing, a resurrection on the lives of those people. They're going to begin to experience a call that they cannot deny, a supernatural hunger. and They're going to wake up and go, wow, wow, I used to seek Him. I used to know Him. I used to walk with Him. What has happened to me? Something is stirring me all over again. I'm experiencing a hunger, a craving, a desire to investigate and draw near and seek out the living God. I've begun to get phone calls at home. They've happened regularly. I'm getting phone calls from people. One man called me and he said, he said, who is this? And I said, this is Jeff Wickwire. And he said, wow. I didn't know what I was about to hear. And he said, let me tell you what's been happening to me. He said, I haven't been in church in over two years. But here's what he said to me. He said, I used to go to another church, got out of that church, got offended, got burned out, and, and, and not knowing that it was going to happen to me, once I got out, it was like I was snared in the habit of staying out. And he said, it's the old saying, when you get away from God, you do more than you thought you would, and you stay longer than you thought you should. And he said, but I can't explain to you, I've begun to experience a desire deep down in my soul to return to him. And I wanted to get back in church, but I didn't know where to go. Somebody had told me your name long ago, and all I could remember was Wick something. And so, but I I didn't know where you were, what you were doing. But here's what he said. He said, I live downtown in some high-rise apartments. I was going down the apartment. I was walking out, and I saw the building man, and I knew that the building man was a believer and went to church. So I went up to him and said, hey, And we began to talk about the things of God. And then I said to him, you know, I'm feeling that I need to go back to church and I've been trying to find some pastor named Wick something. This building guy said, oh, you mean Pastor Jeff Wick? Well, I know exactly where he is. And he said, I could not believe it. Of all the people in the city, millions that I could have talked to, I walked right down, ran right into a man days after I began to experience the call to come back to God. And he said, now here you are. Now... Fast forward a week, I get another call, a man who I haven't seen in a long, long, long time, years and years and years. He says, is this Jeff Wickwise? This is he. He said, Jeff, I haven't been in church in over 10 years. He said, I was in church and I got offended, bothered by some things and got out. I never intended to stay out this long, but I got out. And he said, I was sitting on my couch a few weeks ago and my wife had taken the kids to church, but I'd let her do that for a long time without me going. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, if you don't get back in church, you're going to lose your family. I want to bless you. Get back in church. And he said, I went and found her where she was. She was shocked to see me come walking into the middle of the church service. 
And, and he said, but I couldn't get you off my mind. And so I'm calling you because the Lord has said to me that my restoration is going to be dependent on or hinging on something you're going to minister into my life as well. Now I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's only a couple of examples. The Holy Spirit is moving because spiritual health is when you have spiritual hunger. Spiritual health means I get hungry. If you're right now left this building and said, I don't, I don't ever eat, Pastor, because I'm not ever hungry. I say, you need to get to the doctor, either a head doctor or a physical doctor, because something's wrong if you don't want to eat. Spiritually, God created us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, there is coming a move of God. He's going to resurrect those dry bones. Hey, come on, everybody. I know it. And people are going to start saying, my soul thirsts for you, God. My flesh longs for you in a dry and a thirsty land. I'm tired of living in a dry and a thirsty land. I need God. I need to see your power. I need to see your glory. My soul longs for you, God. Faints for you, God. In the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh, Lord, are crying out for the living God. I don't want religion. I want the living God. I don't want three points and a poem. I want the living God. Come on, everybody. So I hear you. You say, Pastor, I don't feel that way. I wish I did, but I just don't. What do I do? Here's what you do. You begin. You begin. And here's how you begin. You set aside time with God. You make up your mind that you're going to seek God. You get up and you spend some time with God, whether or not you feel like it. Let me tell you what will happen. It's like any habit, good or bad. When you first head towards a habit, generally if it's a bad one, your body tells you it's bad, but you persevere. Those of you in here that smoke and you want to be rid of it, do you remember the first cigarette you ever smoked? It felt like somebody was dropping a ton down into your lungs, but you persevered. And now it's a habit. Let me tell you something about God. You may not feel like seeking God, but you get up in the morning and you seek God. You say, Lord, I'm seeking you. And after a while, you begin to want it. You accustom yourself to it. You acclimate yourself to it. And it becomes a good habit. Here's what Paul the Apostle said in Ephesians 5.10. He said, figure out what will please the Lord and then do it. Figure out what would please the Lord and then do it. Now, I could ask you today, I could say, church, what do you think would please the Lord? And it wouldn't take you 30 seconds to come up with several things that you know would please the Lord. Paul said, figure out what will please Christ and then go do it. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So you figure out what pleases the Lord. Look in the Bible. You don't have to look far to find out what pleases the Lord and then go do it by faith, and faith pleases the Lord. The Bible says that worship pleases God. Did you know that? Listen to Psalms 147, verse 11. The Lord is pleased only with those who worship Him and trust his love. The Lord is pleased with those who worship him. So if I'm made for his pleasure, and that's why I was created and why I exist and why he has left me on this planet, and worship pleases him, then I should learn to be a worshiper. Jesus said these words, the Father is seeking some things too. Now we're seeking God, but can you believe 
that God the Father is seeking some things? Two things Jesus said he's seeking. He's seeking to save those who are lost, and he is seeking people who will worship him, worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. God is on the hunt. God is looking. Can you imagine that? Now, he doesn't need our worship to survive. He doesn't need our worship for any reason, but that he is God, and he is seeking those who will worship him, covered in the blood of Jesus, washed from their sin, filled with the Holy Spirit, worshiping him in the spirit and in the truth that is in his Son. He's looking for it. He's searching for it. David said, we enter his gates with thanksgiving, and we enter his courts further along with praise. The gates were at the beginning of the temple. He went through that, and he went into the courts. You go into the gates of God's presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We approach God by thanking him for what he's done, then praising him for who he is. Now, if I came up to you today after church, and I walked up to you and shook your hand and said, man, I just want to thank you. Praise God. Have a great day and walked away, you'd be mystified. What did I do? He's thanking me for. What did I do? And most of you would say, wait a minute, what are you thanking me for? Now, you can't just say, Lord, thank you, without naming some things. Thank you, Lord, that when I was lost in my sin, you sent your son to die for me. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't stop there, but you gave the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, that you carry me every day. Thank you for all the things that could have happened to me that didn't. Thank you, Lord, for your protection. Thank you for the angels that are around me all the time. Thank you for the goodness of God, the mercy of... Hey, come on, everybody. We can all... If you can't think of anything else, you can thank God that he saved you when you were the devil that you were. Come on. Now, when Kathy makes a good meal, I can say... Thank you, that was really a good meal, Kathy. But I can go further if I'm wise (laughs) and say, you are are so thoughtful. That's not something she's done. That's who she is. Thank you that you're so kind and thoughtful that you thought of me and you made that meal. And you did it because of who you are. That's the way we enter into his gates. Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I'm not going to stop there. I praise you that you did it because you're a God of love. I praise you that you're a God of mercy. Praise you that you're redemptive. Praise you that you're conciliatory praise you that you didn't cast me into hell because of who you are. I praise you for who you are. Thank you for what you did and praise you for who you are. Now, as soon as you do that, you're entering into his gates and into his courts with praise. You're entering into the presence of the Lord. Say with me, the shortest distance between me and God is praise. Can we just get our hands about half-mast and just say, Lord, I thank you. Name something. Just go ahead and do it right now. Just name one thing he's done and then praise him for the character act- attribute that that flowed from. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now let's give him a hand of praise. He's good. 
seekers of God learn to praise Him and to offer thanksgiving. David said, I will praise God's name in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So by faith, we praise Him and thank Him. And that praise and that thanksgiving pleases the Lord. Now let me tell you some quick misconceptions about praise. First of all, that praise is for our benefit. Praise is for our benefit. Can I just give you a newsflash today? Praise is not for our benefit. It's for His. You know, you'll hear people say, oh, I enjoyed that worship service, or I didn't get much out of that worship service. But here's the real way to angle it. Did I give God the praise due His name in that worship service? Did I? It's not what He did for me. It's not did I get Holy Ghost bumps. It's not was I caught up in some vision or sent into some trance. No, no, no. Here's the question. Did I give God the worship and the praise due His name? Because praise is for Him. We, sure, we get blessed from it because He inhabits. He houses Himself in the praises of His people. But it's not for us. It's for Him. So next time we come in here and we start to worship the Lord, keep in mind, this isn't for me. This isn't about me. It's all about the one who is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, and the King of kings. So I'm going to be sure that I minister to Him with all of my heart in worship and in praise. If we minister to Him, He will always minister to us. Now here's another misconception. Worship is for church. It's only a part of your life. Oh, I can't wait to go to worship service. Can't wait to go to worship service. I hope Steve is cranked. I hope he's going to carry me out of the humdrums and get me up in there in the presence of God. Boy, I hope he's on today because I'm off. Let me tell you something. Worship is not just for church. It's not just a part of our life. Listen to the great grand worshiper of all time, King David, who said, Worship him continually and praise him from sunrise to sunset. Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute, David. That's fanatical. Do you know what fanatical comes from? Do you know what English word we get from fanatic? Fan. Now, I'm going to tell you something about some of you. Once a week, You make fools of yourselves watching a bunch of overpaid bullies and numbskulls carry a pigskin from one side of a field to another. You scream. You shout yourself hoarse. You go crazy. Nobody in the house can talk to you when the game is on. You become a fan That means you are a football fanatic. And it really gets bad when you paint yourself green, put cheese on your head, take your shirt off in the middle of sub-freezing temperature and scream and yell until you're sick with the flu for two weeks afterwards. But it doesn't matter because you did it for the team. Let me tell you something. There is one who did far more than carry a pigskin across a field for us. That's right. His name is Jesus. He died for our sins. They put Him in the grave. But then He rose from the dead. King of kings, Lord of lords. He whipped the devil hands down, took out His teeth, took out His power, took out everything. And now we ought to praise Him. Come on, everybody.
<laughs> That's worship. Be fanatical. David said, worship him continually and praise him from sunrise to sunset. Uh, sunset. Rick Warren wrote, in the Bible, people praise God at work, at home, in battle, in jail, and even in bed. Praise should be the first activity when you open your eyes in the morning and the last activity when you close them at night. Don't you know that'll surround you in the presence of God? Seekers of God learn the key of praise. David said, I will thank the Lord at all times. My mouth will always praise him. So praise him in rush hour traffic before you do something else. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the evening. When you wake up, say, good morning, Lord, not good Lord, it's morning. Praise him. He's got all things in the hollow of his hand. He's the master of your destiny. He's going to carry you where you need to go. Don't go into the mully grubs, but get up and praise God. This week, I got up to pray, couldn't break through, couldn't seem to get into praying. The spirit of prayer seemed a million miles away from me. And then I thought, well, I'll just praise the Lord. And I have found, you don't have to do this. I'm not mandating this on you. But I have found when I learned to lift my hands to God, it was like a lightning rod. And I lifted my hands to God. And I said, Lord, I just praise you that you're going to help me to pray. I praise you that you're going to send the spirit of intercession upon me. I praise you that you've got the answer and you're guiding my life. I didn't do it for 30 seconds before the anointing of God was all over me and I slipped into prayer because praise took me through the gates and into the courts of praise. I'll thank the Lord at all times. My mouth will always praise him, David said. And here's the third misconception. I got to praise him a certain way. I got to praise him a certain way. Worship is not just singing a song or lifting your hands. Can I say that again? Worship is not just singing a song or lifting your hands, although that is one of the expressions of worship. It's an act of worship to do your job to God's glory. Paul said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. You know how you serve a jerk? Say to yourself, I'm doing it for Jesus. Did you hear that just kind of go over the congregation? How did he know I worked for a jerk? May not be a jerk, maybe somebody just difficult. You know how you do it? You say, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. So when you do it as unto the Lord, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying that makes it a lot easier. I'm doing this for the Lord. So when I do it for the Lord, that's a form of worship. Martin Luther said, a dairy maid can milk cows to the glory of God. Paul again said, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If you do it for the glory of God, that's worship. Anytime God is glorified, that's worship. It's an act of worship to surrender your everyday life to God. I love the way the Message Bible puts Romans 12.1. Listen to this. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Lord, so much of the time my life seems mundane to me. Same old, same old, monotony. 
but I'm going to give it as an offering to you. He said, take your everyday ordinary life and give it to God as an offering. And that's an act of worship because then you're doing it for his glory. So then, my friends, Paul said, because of God's great mercy to us, offer even yourselves. That's the highest act of worship there is. Now, I want you to key into this as I head to the close. My friends, it is an act of surrender and it's an act of worship when you give not just your everyday activities to God, but you. See, I learned a long time ago, God doesn't want mine. He wants me. There is a titanic struggle in your life every day over what or who gets you. You. The essence of you. Your time. Your worship. Your devotion. It's titanic. Because Satan knows if he can capture your mind, your time, your attention, he's going to hinder the purpose of God in your life. Now, here's what he says. So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service, which is pleasing to him pleasing to him. This is the true worship. He ends the verse, Romans 12, 1, with this. This is the true worship that you should offer. You. And that's not easy to do. It's scary. Because if I offer him me, what's he going to do to me, with me? Am I going to find myself headed towards some mission field in far off Africa? Is he going to turn me into a Jesus freak? If I give him all of me, that's scary. 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 I prefer, Pastor Jeff, the piecemeal plan. He can have Sundays. And if I have a great week, he might even get a Wednesday night. And if I'm feeling mega spiritual and got a lot of needs, I'll show up at prayer. But aside from that, Pastor Jeff, I'm a busy person. I got my life to live. Ah. Guess what? Oh, if I was in a store, here's how serious it is that Jesus did. If I was in a store, here's 20, and I walked up and there was an item for $20. Hmm, could be this Bible. And I just said, okay, I'll buy this. They give me, and I give them the money in exchange. Now, what would you think of the merchant if when I was walking away, he said, give me back my Bible? No, I just purchased it. It's mine. Here's what we do. Jesus gave his blood for us. It says we were purchased with the blood of Christ. But here's what we do. Give me back my life. He says, no, 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 you don't get it. The terms were I paid for you. You're telling me that I'm not my own? Welcome to church. <laughs> Welcome to church. Thanks. 
And so here's what's going on. The devil spends your whole life trying to convince you to take it back and live your life the way you want instead of surrendering to the one who purchased you. If you understand that he purchased you, every time you're tempted, here's what you do. You just say, you know, I'm purchased. Sorry, that's really not my decision to make because he owns me. Go to him with that. It pleases God when by faith we offer to him ourselves. Paul said we make it our goal to please him. When, our pra- when we praise God, we're joining in all of creation. When Jesus' disciples were crying out, Blessed, celebrated with praises be the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The Pharisee said, Teacher, reprove your disciples. But Jesus replied, I tell you that if these don't praise me, the stones will burst into cheers. So we're to be praisers. Can we stand together? Seekers of God are to be worshipers. Seekers of God are to be worshipers. How many of you want to please the Lord in your life? Well then, and I do too, and we fail a lot, don't we? We mess up, we stumble, we fall short. But consistently seeking Him brings great reward. So one way we seek Him, can we just do it? Just say, Lord, I thank you. This is the way you begin your day. I thank you, Lord for what you have done for me. And I praise you for who you are. And just take a few minutes and enter into worship with him. That's how you begin your time seeking God. And he will be found of you. Now, Father, I pray over this precious church. I pray that you will move us into worship into just being worshipers, not just at church, but to remember as children of God to do it daily throughout the day. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Quickly, I think Dave has an announcement. Come on, Dave.